Amen. Praise the Lord that we get to come and worship our risen Savior on the Lord's Day. And so I, uh, I love and appreciate each and every one of you. Merry Christmas. Merry it's good to see smiley faces here in the house. If you join us online, Merry Christmas to you as well. If you're there snuggled uh, with your family, uh, worshiping with us, uh, albeit virtually, uh, but worshiping nonetheless. Uh, man, it's so good to be able to, to, to do this and really think about why it is that we're here, why we do the things that we do, and we come here to to worship our Savior. And, and as we've been talking about what it looks like to be a Christ follower, to be a church member, I want to help you to develop some rhythms in your life, some practices, some habits, so to speak, where we would continue to come together to worship our risen Savior so we can encourage one another that we remember the reason for the season, not just for today, by the way. Jesus is the reason for the season of all seasons. So we, we have, uh, well, in Chicago, we might have two or three seasons, but of all seasons, Jesus is still Lord. And I want you to be able, especially as we kick off the new year, to act like that to act like Jesus is the Lord of every season of your life. Amen? That everything that we do, everything that we say, every everything that pours out of us is because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So I'm happy and grateful that you all are joining us here uh, today. Um, today we celebrate the most extraordinary miracle in the Bible. J.I. Packer, in his book, For Your Sakes, uh, he, be, he became poor. He had this to say about the miracle of Christ's birth. He says, it is here, the thing that happened at the first Christmas, that the profoundest and most unfathomable depth of the Christian revelation lie. This story of Jesus' birth is a major turning point in the Bible. As you read through, uh, Robert told you about our new Bible reading plan. Usually we go through and pack it all in in one year. We're going to slow down next year and go for two years so that you can slow down and really have it absorbed. You can really think and meditate and pray on the scripture that you read each day. And as you read the Old Testament, what you see is Christ concealed. And then we get into the New Testament, and then we have Christ revealed. And, and some of us tend to, 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 to stay in the New Testament because it's a little easier to understand. We kind of understand what's going on, but you can't understand rightly the New Testament without the Old. And so it's going to be important for us to be able to see that together as we journey through. And as we read about this situation today around Jesus' birth. It's easy to overlook the various challenges that Mary and Joseph endured in this time. If you would, turn with me in your copy of God's Word. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Matthew 1, verse 18 is where we'll start. And here God's Word reads, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, 
resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, reading through this, this is a little foreign to us here in 2022. So when we look and read about a betrothal, this was a custom where a man and a woman would commit to be married at a future time. Uh, other versions translate this as an engagement or a pledge to be married. Uh, unlike today, where uh, once you're engaged, um, you, you set a date to get married and uh, you're not really legally bound, but at this time, at the betrothal, at the engagement, you were legally bound at that moment. It's like you're already married according to our standards here today. You're legally bound at that moment so calling off the engagement would be similar or the same as what we consider divorce to be today. So after the engagement, the woman would then go to the man's house. They would consummate the marriage and they would live together forever until death do they part. So when Matthew says that Mary was pregnant before they came together, it means Mary and Joseph, they hadn't yet sealed the deal yet. You know, they were just engaged. They were just uh, being betrothed. So they had a little while before they would actually be married. And so Matthew helps us to see that there's something supernatural going on. This is something uh, 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 not the norm that was happening here at this moment. I can go a lot deeper in this, um, but uh, something like this would have just landed Mary and Joseph on, you know, the Jerry Springer show or Maury Povich, you know, just to put it simply. Right, it's like who is the father? They would have that discussion. So this definitely was against the moral culture of today. And so Joseph, hearing this, Joseph being a stand-up guy, he's like, "Look, I, I'm not going to make a big deal out of this. I'm not going to go and publicize it, and I'm just going to quietly divorce her, which was well within his rights. He could do it loudly, do it quietly, but he was." had the right to divorce her because she was already with child. But look what happens next in verse 20. It says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." This, this angel shows up to Joseph with the shocking news that the baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And I can only imagine Joseph hearing this and saying, say what now? Run that back for me. I don't, I don't think I understood exactly where, what, you, what you're saying and where you're coming from. What, what's really happening here? Because this virgin birth, for us, we're having heard the story year after year, time after time. It might be familiar to us today. But back then, it, it was unheard of. And, and, and actually, since then, we haven't seen anything like this happening. And nobody had heard of this before, and especially Joseph. Like, why me? Like, why do I get to be the guinea pig? Why is this happening and going on? So G Joseph is expected to remain with Mary as, as she gives birth to a son that he had nothing to do with. And they should name him Jesus because he would save his people from their sin. I, I'm just trying to imagine being in Joseph's shoes, trying to understand any of this stuff. I mean, especially for Mary, too. She's like, I, I mean, uh, this is not really the way I picture things happening. 
how am I supposed to navigate through this? If, if you do this, I mean, this is some heavy stuff for both of them going through it. Joseph would adopt this boy as his son. His legal name would be Jesus, which is translated from the Greek Iesus or uh, Hebrew Jehoshua, and which basically means the Lord saves. Wow. I mean, I, I don't want all that responsibility. This is a lot to take in, a lot to understand. But it continues on in verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall, shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph, when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded to him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she gave birth had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. So I don't know how Joseph felt at the time. I imagine, I would assume he was very confused. He had no idea what was going on, probably frustrated, um, didn't, didn't know what was going on. But despite his confusion, I admire him jumping out and still being obedient. It's like, I don't understand what's happening here. I've never seen this before. I have nobody to go consult. I got no books to read about on this. But I'm going to be obedient nonetheless. I'm going to do what is being called of me to do. And I'm going to trust God in this matter. Can you imagine that? I mean, we want evidence. We want assurances. Like, well, I feel like I need to go down this path. But Lord, if you would just give me a sign. If you would just drop something out of the sky, then I'll know that you want me to do this. But Joseph here, he's, he's trusting. He's following in what, what God is calling him to do. He just obeys and did what, would, what was asked. So here's a few things that I want you to understand about Jesus. As we look at this virgin birth and, and what it is, I want you to really immerse yourself in the full meaning and why it affects us here today. First and foremost, Jesus is fully human. I think we tend to forget that. You know, he was born of a woman, so like any child, he, he cried, he cooed, he was a diaper-wearing baby. We, we just think about, I mean, as we rightly should, we think of him as Savior, as Lord, and, 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 and part of the Godhead. Yes, that's good and right, but he was also fully human. We have the tendency to forget about the humanity of Jesus and the fact that he put on flesh with a full range of human characteristics. He had a human body, and we see in various places of the text he got tired, right? He, he got hungry. He, he got frustrated. He got angry. We learn that he increased in his wisdom. He occasionally was troubled and, and overwhelmed. He, he had good days and, and bad days. I can relate to that. I had good days good days and bad days. He sometimes cried, and, and I think it's reasonable to believe that he laughed as well, because you, you, I dare you to read through the New Testament and, 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 and miss the humor that is, it unfolds when he's working with the disciples. Are you guys so dull? Like, how many times I got to tell you this? I, I, I got to believe that there were some laughs around the campfire along with Jesus, that he had some humor and that he certainly wasn't boring and his humanity was plain for all to see. 
So why is this important? Why does this matter? Jesus fully, fully being human makes it possible for him to identify with you in your humanness. If we think we're alone, we think we're isolated, nobody gets what I'm going through. Nobody understands the temptations that I have, but Jesus does. He was tempted, he was angry, he was sad, he was frustrated, he was happy, just like you and me. Jesus and his humanity is fully able to relate to your everyday struggles, whether they be physical, mental, or emotional. He understands your sorrow. He understands your suffering. And that's why we can go to him. That's why we can trust him. Hebrews 2 and 18 says, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He helps us to see, like we talked about last week, where, where we are, are tempted, but we don't have to sin. We see Jesus do that, where he's, he's tempted and does not sin. Jesus uh, displays a full range of human characteristics, and he also possesses a full range of divine characteristics as well. So we, we don't have one without the other. He's fully man, and he's also fully God. Later in Jesus' ministry, we see that he has the power over disease. We see these miracles come and take place. He cleanses lepers. He gives sight to the blind. He causes the lame to walk. Jesus is also in, in uh, he shows his display and command over nature, which is miraculous. In, in Matthew 8, Jesus tells a storm to calm down, and the storm obeys this is amazing. I wouldn't even dare tell my wife to calm down. But Jesus is calming, tell the storm to calm down, and it obeys him. It stops. This is, this is amazing to me. Lastly, in his divinity, Jesus has the authority of sin, over sin, and he has control over death. This is, this is why it matters. This is the foundation to our faith. This is highly important for us. Jesus not only brings others to life, but he even raises himself from the dead and he conquers the grave. The people who put him to death thought they had it. It's over, it's done with, we're rid of this guy. But little did they know on that third day <laughs> that he would raise from the dead, conquering everything, the sin the, and the grave. And as God, Jesus satisfies God's wrath on our behalf. As a man, Jesus had the capacity uh, and the capability of dying. But as the God-man, Jesus is the perfect mediator between heaven and earth. First Timothy 2 and 5 says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, and the man, Christ Jesus. If you're here today, I want you to know that salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. And this is why we celebrate here today. We celebrate the birth of our Savior. Who was thinking about you when he was about to give up his life for you? 
he was thinking about paying the price that you wouldn't be able to pay and he was going to pay that for you. He was thinking about you and all the times when, when you were going to be suffering and, and be in sorrow or, or be angry and be, be frustrated and you wouldn't know what to pray. He, he was thinking about you and he would pray on your behalf. He would be the mediator, the intermediary for you between us and the Father. And if you're here today, this is really just scratching the surface and I hope that you will come back with us next week. We'll be starting a new sermon series through the book of Romans. And I mean, I prayed a long time about this. Romans is some deep stuff in there. I mean, we're, we're going to get deep in it. We're going get to get our hands dirty. I'm going to get myself in trouble. But let's do it together. I mean, when, when you go through the book of Romans and all the doctrine and theology that's found there in that book, it's um, is this great? Is this food for our soul? And as we understand and figure out what it looks like, what it means for us to, to, to walk in our faith, to authentically live it out in front of others, man, Romans is going to get that for us. And we're going to deal with some tough topics, and we're going to deal with that together. A lot of hard questions. And more, more importantly, is how we respond to life's challenges. So we'll be going through the book of Romans next year. Hope you would join us starting next week. But today, again, I'm just so grateful for you guys being here. I'm grateful for you all who are worshiping with us online because uh, it's like, well, what does it matter when we worship? We should be worshiping every day, right? So, you know, I got plans, I got things to do. Sometimes I need to work or whatever the case may be. But the, the most important thing for us to do is be among God's people. We talked about the body of believers. And there's a way that God has fashioned this for us so that we can rely on one another. We're not out here on, on our own by ourselves. He's put people around us. He's put people around you so that you might be encouraged. And you might not be going through a storm right now, but I've heard a saying that you're either going into a storm or coming out of a storm. That's, that's how much is guaranteed. And let me tell you something. It's best to build these bonds when you're not currently in the storm. It's, it's important to build these bonds before you need somebody there for you, that you would be extending yourself to them, that you would be praying with and for them. They would be praying with and for you. So when you get into the storm, you don't have to be isolated. You don't have to be by yourself like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have nobody to call. That's why discipleship is so important, why I've been just banging the drum of discipleship. Make sure you have somebody in your life that is speaking into you and that you're speaking into so that when you get in the jam, when you get into the storm, which you will be in the storm, you can call that person and say, I'm in the midst of it. I need your help. I need your prayer. I need your love. I need your guidance. I, we need to get together and study scripture with one another. We need that. So I love that we get to celebrate our, our risen Savior today. And he, he, he came into this world, like I said, and put on flesh and lived a life that we couldn't. We couldn't stand up to God's law the way we ought to. It shows us our need for a Savior. Saved from what? 
saved from the wrath of God. That what we rightly deserve, the wages of sin is death. We talk about our rights, our responsibilities, what we, what we deserve, what we don't deserve, what we really deserve is death. But God, loving us so much, sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I don't know about you. I mean, life might seem long at times, but eternity is forever. So you get to make a decision. And make a decision of whether you would follow the Christ, the Messiah, or not. It's the most important decision that you would ever make. There's nothing more important. And when you choose to follow him, maybe you don't understand what that means or what that looks like for you in your life. That's why I'm here. That's why God has called me to this place so I can walk with you through that journey. What does it look like for you to authentically live out your faith? What has God called you to do in your life day in and day out? Let's work together and talk, talk about that. How do you study the Bible? How do you pray? How, you know, talking about discipleship, what does that even mean? That's what I'm here for. I'm here to walk with you through those things. So if you have questions around that, I'm, I'm here to, to speak with you. We've got deacons in the house that can help you as well. Um, we'd love to have that conversation as you make that choice here today. But God bless you and hope you would enjoy your time with your family on this Lord's Day, on this Christmas Day. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you and praise you that plan A has always been what we see play out in, in scripture. That you intended to send your son to live and to die. Also that we might be reconciled back to you. That we may be able to know you, have a relationship with you. And for that we're just eminently grateful. God, we just ask for your blessings on the, the people that are here, the people under the sound of my voice here today, that we continue to think about you and give you the recognition that you rightly deserve. Father, bless this local body. Give us the wisdom and the strength to, to carry on and to do what you've called us to do here in Bolingbrook so that people might be able to know the name of Jesus. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.